Today, I'm talking to Travis Armbruster, who's married to U.S. Olympic bobsledder Kaylee Humphreys. Kaylee is a four-time Olympic medalist and the only five-time world champion in the sport of women's bobsled. She has led the bobsleigh industry in bringing about equal medal opportunity for all women in bobsled at the top level and is the only female in Olympic history to win gold for two different countries. In 2018, Kaylee filed a formal complaint against Canada's bobsleigh coach, accusing him of mental and verbal abuse. This began a lengthy and nasty legal battle, resulting in Kaylee requesting to be released from the team, apply for U.S. citizenship, and compete with Team USA. As you will hear, that switch was not seamless, but she came out on top, breaking world records. This episode includes a bit more than how bobsledding plays into Travis and Kaylee's relationship. We get a solid overview of the sport of bobsledding, a deep dive into the financial challenges of being a professional bobsledder, and an honest peek into the labor of love that goes into being with the world's greatest bobsledder. Join me in going behind the scenes with Travis Armbruster. Hey everyone, this is Emily Haran, and today we are going behind the scenes with Travis Armbruster. Welcome, Travis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat today. I am very excited to chat. You are married to Kaylee Humphreys, who is currently an American Olympian bobsledder. Correct. And I think it might be a good place to start if you could kind of share how would you describe what Kaylee's career is? Oh, that is a good question. So in daily life, if somebody brings it up, the easiest way to say it is Kaylee is an Olympian. My wife is an Olympian. And then I guess that kind of allows them because you don't want to always come off as braggy and, oh, <laughs> she's an Olympian in, in this and that. And so you kind of say, well, she's an Olympian. And then if they want to follow it up and know more, then somebody will say, oh, well, in what sport? And then I say, well, she's a bobsledder. And then they say, well, actually, I don't know what bob I don't know much about bobsled. And then do you know Cool Runnings? And people sometimes will go, yeah. I said, okay, that's that's what it is. And, and, and now, you know, with the last Olympics, they got really good television uh, views on NBC. And so occasionally more people will say like, oh yeah, I remember watching that. So it's it's a little more common. And then eventually <laughs> it comes out, oh, she's actually won gold medals. And then that leads, you know, well, and then she actually used to be for Canada, but now she's for US and it's kind of complicated. So there's a lot there. Yeah, it gets drug out pretty far. Well, so Cool Runnings, I think is mine and probably most people's main point of reference for bobsledding. How does the bobsled community feel about that movie? Because it's a point of reference, they love it. You know, is are there some dramatizations? Of course there are. Though I would say, and, and I've heard Kaylee, you know, talk about this in speeches or conversations. I suppose it's 80% accurate, I suppose. Okay. So what bobsledders will always clarify is... No, you don't sit in a bathtub together. And no, you can't have an egg on the way down. So those are the two. The, Important distinctions. Yeah, right, right, right. So, and so Kaylee particularly likes that uh, movie because the run where the Jamaicans crashed was supposed to be, or it was in the Calgary Olympics. And that's where she oh. grew up. So, you know, there's a lot of reference points there. So, Yeah. Okay. Well, so 
that that satiates my kind of question yeah. of is cool runnings accurate do yes. people appreciate the point of reference or is it more of the annoying only point of reference that i exists? think <laughs> i think 10 15 years ago it may have been annoying i think now it's like okay at least you know what it is you have an idea so yeah sounds like kaylee has a very storied career so why don't we kind of rewind and Tell me about how you and Kaylee met and what, mm -hmm. tell, tell me how you kind of stumbled into each other's lives. Um, so how do you say this without, I haven't really figured out a good way to say this. I, I messaged her <laughs> on Facebook. That's really what it oh. is. You know, Slid back, into the DMs on Facebook. No, which I don't recall them being called DMs at that time. So, you know, <laughs> this was probably two, back in 2014 and okay. on Facebook, at least at that time, again, you, you mostly only had friends that you knew and then maybe some friends of friends. And so where I had spent yeah. a year in, in the USA program, I was friends on Facebook with some of her friends. And then I remember seeing a photo of her on a horse in the Calgary parade. And I'm pretty sure I just messaged her. So, so there was two things. Obviously, I thought she was very attractive. I thought what she was yeah. doing was very impressive. She was also at that time really pushing for equality within the sport. And so she was pushing to be allowed to drive a four-man sled. And I thought that was really uh, cool as well because my little time in the sport, I did see um, where ego still very much existed between the men and the women. Uh, you know, so I, I let's say I, I wrapped my my sliding into her dms in i think you're very attractive i also support what you're doing and that's kind of how it got started amazing i didn't what was funny is i didn't expect to hear anything back it was one of those like let's just see how it goes though because of facebook she could look at who i knew and then she could piece it together and go well okay he knows a few people that i do so at least it's worth messaging back there's some safety in that mm -hmm. familiarity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So long winded story, a messenger on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And so you mentioned being within the US program. I know you rode, I'm going to use the wrong terminology here, okay. but you were in bobsledding, you were a pusher. Correct. Correct. So my, okay. my, my short stint, I was there and you have two positions mostly in, in bobsled. You have the pusher and the driver. Kaylee is the driver. She started off as a pusher, became a driver. I was just a pusher for a short bit and then decided I didn't want to be a pusher anymore. And so, um, that was my stint in the career. And so, yeah, you, you, what you would say that Kaylee drives a bobsled and then okay. her teammates would push the sled. So you're either pusher or driver. Okay. And how did you get recruited into the U S bobsled team? So, it's, it's always odd stories on how this stuff, I, I, anybody that gets recruited into bobsled always has some sort of weird story typically. So I went to uh, college and played football and ran track for a place called Pittsburgh State University, which is down in the southeast corner of Kansas. And so from there, I went to Kansas City, got a job in a gym as a personal trainer, was training a guy whose son was a financial advisor who I ended up in a conversation with who he used to be a rugby player and a bobsledder. And he said, Hey, I think you'd be good at this. Check it out. Went home, looked it up on YouTube. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And so then they, they hold recruiting camps around the U S. And so you just figure out, you go to one. And then if you do well enough, they'll invite you to like the official USA tryouts. 
And typically that's still how it's done, though there's different things like a virtual combine and stuff like that. Wow, that's interesting. So are most, yeah, are most people who end up on the U.S. bobsled team, are they discovering it themselves and getting to those recruitment events or is there like active recruitment going on as well there uh, both there, there are there is a lot of active recruitment though again 95 to 99 percent of the athletes all come from a sport somewhere else and majority of them come after college after you know they've competed in track and field they're done with usatf or they played rugby volleyball softball and so there's a mix. Sometimes it's a, hey, I know a person who knows a person. They are trying to do a lot better job of recruiting people out of college. So it's, it's, it's a niche sport. It's a little bit difficult. I'd say it's still probably 75% somebody told you about it and 25% just actual straight recruiting. Interesting. Did yeah. you find that it was a hard sport to pick up? No, it's super, you know, from the pushing side of things, it's not a lot of brains that go into it realistically. And the less brains you have, probably the better. Because yeah. it's, can you push this as fast as you can? It's a pretty yeah. simple concept. Now, when it comes to the drivers, that's a whole, that's a real skill set. Not that pushing isn't a skill set, for sure it is. Because you do, you can get somebody who is a great Olympic sprinter that comes in and is terrible at pushing a sled. And then you'll get somebody who comes in that was maybe from, softball that you go, well, I don't really see the transition there. And they're amazing at it. So it's this very interesting mix of strength, power, speed, and then you add the skill and the driving standpoint. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole different deal that typically they say takes eight to 10 years to really develop the skill. Oh, wow. That's, that's, you know, was not my, yeah, not me. And it's a sport. It seems like it's a sport you can do for a while. And I know you did about one year stint, but Kaylee's been doing it for over 20 years. She's been doing it for over 20 years. Right. So she's, she's a bit of an anomaly in a lot of ways. One of them being that she started when she was 18 after she did Ah. competitive ski racing. She realized her competitive ski racing had kind of come to an end where she said, I'm I'm not going to get any better than I am. She had a few crashes, broke a few bones and decided like, this just isn't for me. So she switched over and so she's, yeah, she's had a, she's, she's nearing 20 years in her career. And so it is typically a younger person's sport. So 21, two, three, four, five, six, uh, though compared to maybe like, you know, gymnastics, you don't see any 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds in it. And so as, as, as a push athlete, typically, you know, they might see a, a two Olympic cycle career. I think is probably the average. And then the drivers, they can range anywhere from two to 10. Kaylee will be, she's 39 now. So I guess that gives you an idea of that. Yes, there is some potential for longevity in it. If you can make it. Wow. Yeah, that's really impressive, especially having that longevity when that's not a sport or something you discover as like a 10 year old and get all jazzed up on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's maybe what makes it, what keeps it in a bit of a niche is you, you, for the most part, they, they are doing more youth programs, but for the most part, it's 18 and above before you could start mm-hmm. for uh, maturity reasons, bone density, all that sort of stuff. Cause it, you know, you pull a lot of G's, it's a lot of uh, potential risk and accidents and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So when you spent your year being 
dumped into the right. bobsled world. Right. Was like, was Kaylee on your radar as an athlete already? Like, was she someone that people talked about? I remember so little about that first year because it is just an absolute like blast. You drink from a fire hose trying to figure everything out. And so I was in and out. You know, what's funny is I even remember watching the 2010 Olympics on TV because you know, we didn't make it. And so I watched it. I remember watching the men's and I'm sure I watched the women's, but I, so not even on the radar at all. And so- okay. In, I guess it had been uh, late 2014, I think maybe, maybe even early 2015. So she would have just somewhat recently won gold in Russia in the uh, Russia games. And so at that point she was, she was on my radar though. I'm not sure that I knew, actually that's, that's, I know I knew how good she was. Uh, And so then when we started talking then, which was four years after I was there, what was nice is I was far enough removed from that time of my competing and I had, I, you know, there was no, oh, maybe I'll get back into it because that happens a lot in the sport because there is longevity from the pushing standpoint. You know, yeah. once you develop the skill, it's kind of like riding a bike. You can always get back into it. Yeah. Though in, in our conversations I had with her, I was able to speak a similar language. Obviously, like I was probably on a third third grade level and she's like PhD, (laughs) you know, master's doctorate like level. So we could, I could at least fumble around with what she was saying and I had no competitive interest. So we were able to have some nice conversations, especially revolved around her fighting for the equality in sport. Uh, I appreciated that part of what she was doing. And so it generally got along too. So it wasn't just bobsled. So at that time and, and still some, I, I do a lot of, health, fitness, coaching, training, and stuff like that. So, you know, even if you take the sport itself away from it, we still had the commonality of workouts and healthy eating, healthy living, things like that. So if we did hit a bump in bobsled, we could always go to, (laughs) how much do you squat? How much do you lift? You know, all that sort of stuff. Micro, macro, all (laughs) those (laughs) gym terminology. (laughs) What shoes do you like? Yeah, that whole thing. Exactly. And so when you two started dating, was it kind of, was it a change in pace from maybe past relationships? I mean, dating an Olympian, it just sounds really intense, but as you got to know Kaylee more and understood more about her position in bobsledding, what was that experience kind of like? You know, that's a good question because, because we were long distance. So I was living in San Diego, still, still do now. She was living in, in Canada. That kind of stunted our initial, you know, we, we talked back and forth and it's kind of like, gosh, you're all the way up there. I'm all the way down here, long distance. And so she randomly, and I guess this is a bit of the story too. She came down to San Clemente, which is on the north side of San Diego, which is also roughly where I live, to get a tattoo from a guy who flies in from Sweden and he comes in, you know, maybe once a year. And then all of his local U.S. people all fly into that location, get a tattoo, fly out. Call, they call it oh, guest wow. spotting or something like that. I don't know. I have no tattoos, so I live vicariously through her. <laughs> so she happened to be down there in San Clemente getting a tattoo. And I went, I mean, I'm right here. Do you want to get dinner? She said, well, if you come up here, yes. Okay, so 
So we went up, <laughs> had dinner. It went great. We had dinner the next night with the tattoo artist, spent time on Ocean Beach and just got to know each other. So that kind of started everything. And yeah. it was intimidating in, in the fact of she is the best in the world at what she does. She is an Olympian. Um, though, though I, I think because she went back to Canada, we continued talking on the phone. You know, she went on her next season because we were long distance. I didn't really get to or have to live in that environment of you are the best. Mm. This is high level. You know, we would talk when she was free, when she was having ups or downs. And so it was kind of just like a normal relationship, except, you know, instead of her coming home from her job and wanting to talk about X, Y, and Z. And, you know, it was, this is how sport went. This is how the competition went and uh, yep. things like that. So early on, yeah, I think it was kind of just normal for the most part. That's nice that like, uh, I think long distance relationships have pros and cons yeah. for sure. But like having it provide a buffer from the really intense environment <laughs> yeah. of like the larger than life aspect of Kaylee, like yeah. that is a huge pro. <laughs> it was a pro and I didn't know at the time. What it also forced us to do was it really forced us to communicate because mm -hmm. we couldn't rely on any sort of in-person body language or physical acts or anything. Now, luckily there was FaceTime and so we could still get that kind of facial recognition and all that. Though, like you said, you know, if she, if she called me and had a bad day, I didn't have to live in that when I quite frankly, wasn't ready for it. You know, I was living in yeah. Cardiff, California, surfing, you know, on the weekends, like just hanging loose, like just having a good time. <laughs> and so she's like, you know, fighting for her life week in and week out. And so that yeah. allowed, allowed me to, to get to know it. And then at the end of the phone, phone conversation, that was it. You don't have to carry it with you. Right. I didn't have to live in that space. When without a doubt, I wouldn't have been ready. I would have tried too hard, done too much or done nothing at all without getting to know her first and then understanding a bit more on this is how she operates. This is how she thinks. So this is, this is normal. This is abnormal. This is how we can communicate. You know, a lot of it was different time zones. She's in Europe, so it's nine hours. Um, Though that being said, I make, make it sound like we did this for 10 years. I believe we dated long distance for roughly a year to a year and a half. Okay. Uh, and then it became a, you know, I think we knew there was something there. And we said, we just, we're going to have to see if this works, uh, you know, really give it a go. Because the issue was, one of the issues was when she would come home from tour, she would be in Calgary. And so then it yep. was, well, you got to come here. I got to go there. So we go, okay, let's figure this out. My pitch was, do you want to move to San Diego? That's mostly, Who <laughs> that's mostly all it took, quite frankly. It was, <laughs> am I going to Calgary or are you coming to San Diego? It's beautiful here, you know. So what worked out well, A, it's San Diego. Yep. She spent the majority of her summers in Phoenix training with a strength and speed coach. So she was oh. used to spending time in the U.S. She liked the U.S. So she moved down here. She still competed for Team Canada at that time. And so we still had kind of a, call it a long distance relationship, though when she came home, it was to our home, which was really nice. That that really sped our relationship up, if you will. Definitely. How much travel is required for Kaylee and her team in terms of like both training schedule, but yeah. also competition schedule? In the off season, training is primarily done wherever you want, because all you need is a gym and a track. 
So you can do yeah. it anywhere. During the season, they typically start, I'd say October. Um, I'm sure I'll get this wrong and she'll correct me later. <laughs> later. They, they travel typically October until March is roughly how, how long their season spans. And so obviously you can't bobsled in, in San Diego, so you have to go somewhere. Yeah. So if you're on the U.S. team, your station is Lake Placid, New York. So you fly okay. up there, you're there the majority of the time, and then the season could run anywhere from uh, around North America, so Lake Placid, Park City, or Whistler, Canada. Majority yeah. of the season is over in Europe. So you're in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Latvia, France. So you're gone, essentially, from about October until March. Sometimes they get a Christmas break. It just depends on the season. Typically, they like to take two weeks off for Christmas, but it, it's hit and miss. So you're gone for up to six months. Typically, there's breaks in there, and you're 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 flying to all these different time zones. So that makes yeah. it a little bit more difficult if if I'm staying at home, which later yeah. on eventually I did not. I went along with her on tour for a couple of years. So. Yeah, I was I was going to ask like having her move to the same city, same location. That's a huge, awesome. Finally, we're like yeah. face to face doing right. this. And then she's like, anyways, yeah. I actually have well, to go see for you six later. months. <laughs> I, if I recall, she moved down here middle of the summer or so. And it was like a month later, because that's when season started. She was still with Team yeah. Canada at that point. So she had to go back mm. to Calgary, do a lot of training up there. And so it pretty much was dream come true. We're moving in. Oh, see you later. <laughs> right. We did get a dog at that point. I got a dog. Uh, she got a yeah. dog for me. And now we <laughs> so that you wouldn't be lonely. Exactly. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> when did you first get to travel with her, either to training or competition? Uh, so what we tried to do, as we learned, I think, after maybe the first year, was we're okay up to about four weeks of being apart. And then that's when we kind of go, oh, this sucks. I don't want yeah. to deal with this anymore. And so what I tried to do, what we tried to do is I would go to wherever she was at that time for a week or two. And so sometimes that would be, you know, early on that of it, probably the years of 16, 17 and 18. And I would go to Whistler when they were up there yeah. and stay there for the week. I uh, went over to Europe once or twice. I did one time fly to Germany over a weekend, stay for... <sighs> the weekend and come back, which, you know, at the time it was, it wasn't even a question. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm there. Would I do it today? Holy moly. Like that was, <laughs> I still would without a doubt. It just, the way that it all worked out, it was, well, either I go now and I see you a bit, or it's going to be like it, the way the schedule worked out. So yeah, 16, 17, I would go, we weren't engaged at that point. The team generally was okay with me being there mostly because I was, invited by Kaylee. I, I tried to keep my distance from like not getting in the way of things, though also not being a bump on a log. So <laughs> it, it's, it was an interesting time um, yeah. that I was there for her, though you kind of just get sucked into like, well, I mean, if I'm here, I can, I can lift that and I can lift this. And, yeah. and that part, I, I believe in her mind, that was a kind of a test for her to see, like, if this is going to work out, he's got to be on tour and not screw everything up for me. <laughs> it's pretty much what it was. Uh, and I believe I did that. I, I did yeah. not screw things up. 
and I nice. added more than I subtracted. So nice. Uh, that that was nice. Still not ideal. Honestly, it still sucked because you're you're with each other for a week or two, and then you're not for a month, and then it might be a week yeah. here, and and there you know there's still again no doubt that it sucked, and it made things difficult. And when you're when you're trying to grow a new relationship. She moves down from Canada, I'm all excited, and then I'm all alone again. And I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. You know, and she's she's used to that lifestyle for the last 10 years. And not saying it was easy for her, though I think she was just used to the routine and how it worked. And and I definitely had to get used to that because you're right, it was different than last relationships that I date somebody locally that you can see each other whenever you want. Yeah. So, you know, it took some maturing on like maturing or like insecurity front, like in that new relationship, you know, you draw, you fly to Germany for a weekend and you're kind of like, I would like a little more attention than I'm getting, but I also can't ask for it. And so I, I have to imagine that was like a really interesting learning for you of just how do I make sure I feel good in this relationship when it's what I'm getting back is so different from what I've had in the past. That is a whole psychological question of, (laughs) you're right in, you know, we could both have to put a hundred percent in, though. What does that hundred percent look like for each of us? And so where, where I think I, I career wise that led me down to the personal training route, which was essentially in a way kind of learning to take care of people and help people meet their needs by me being there and facilitating X, Y, and Z. So I yep. think that actually helped with this lopsided, um, I, I, yeah, I call it a lopsided relationship in what she yeah. could give versus what I could give. And so what, you know, what she could give, and, and for me, I didn't travel a lot growing up and, and I didn't get to go to a lot of places necessarily outside of the U.S. and outside of Kansas for the most part. So she opened the door for different things like travel. She was willing to include me in things. And so while maybe I didn't get the attention that I would typically get, I was getting other things in the relationship. And so it, it allowed me to give, which yep. in a relationship, uh, you know, the, the saying of, you know, what you give, you have forever. So it allowed me to give and support her and to quite frankly, feel like I was important because I was fulfilling that role for her. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I remember, yeah, I remember a conversation that we had early on was, I had to ask her because, you know, when I met her, she had a strength coach, she had a psychologist, she had a head coach of this coach of that coach, a friend. And I just said, I, I, I'm not sure what I can give you. What, what do I give you in this relationship? And that's when we really got into the, what role from a professional side can I fill? And then what mm-hmm. role from a personal side can I fill? So do you train with Kaylee or help her on some sort of the training side at all? It really depends. Early on, no. Early on, I was I was there for moral support, to be the boyfriend, to, you know. Over the years, what we've learned is we can work out next to each other. And <laughs> we don't do well if I try to push her or if she mm-hmm. tries to push me to work out. And I think it's because... When we got together, we, we were pretty forthright on boundaries. It was, you know, we want to keep our relationship as our relationship. I don't want to be your strength coach, your speed coach, your nutritionist. Yep. If I can fill in and help out, I'll absolutely gladly do that. And that works really well. Mm-hmm. Um, though to keep our boundaries where they are, that's what works really well for us. 
Now, of course, there was times where uh, in the COVID years where coaching was tough to come by, you know, that changed a little bit, though. No, I, <laughs> I can't tell her lift more weight, push harder, do this and that, because the natural tendency is like, well, you lift more weight. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're good at motivating each other and holding each other accountable to somebody else, not holding her accountable to me because I, I facilitate the program that maybe the coach gives. So yes, that makes sense. As life has, has gone on, I have gotten more involved with it and she's trusted me more when I say something because early on, you know, she trusts the people she trusts because they've yeah. served her well for 10 years or her best friends or her coaches, all that sort of stuff. And I'm just a guy. <laughs> um, and so I've learned over the years from her and from the people that she works with to where now when I say the things I say, if it's a conversation, typically it's from the education I've gotten from the people she works with. So the Got language it. that I'm using isn't so foreign. It isn't so weird. She goes, oh yeah, that's what Stu would have said. Or, you know, in this scenario, I believe Stu would tell you to do this. And, and that's that level that then we can say, oh, you should do five more because that's probably what Stu would have you do. Got it. That that makes a ton of sense. Do you find that Kaylee has all of these people that are helping out, you know, across yeah. physical, mental, right. nutrition, all of that good stuff? Do you do you enjoy being in the thick of that group and like having kind of a built a built in oh. family, a built in group of friends? Or is that was that kind of overwhelming to step into? It was overwhelming without a doubt. I, I mean, <laughs> uh, talk about insecurities and not know where I fit in. Like I'm, I'm just trying to think, what can I say here to not sound incredibly stupid? Yeah. <laughs> yet also, what can I say here to to feel like I'm I, I'm contributing? So that that was that was very overwhelming. And as we yeah. got further in our relationship, that's where it became more important and, and clear to us kind of, again, where, where's our boundaries? And I think that's just, that's just how we wanted to keep it. And that's for the most part, how it stayed is yeah. when it comes to training, lifting, pushing, she relies on these five people. If there's a 16th of a thing that we're trying to figure out, I'll take a look and give my opinion. That's about it. <laughs> that's it. That's about it. Cause I'd rather stay the supportive husband. I'm here for you. I'll give you a hug, a kiss, and, you know, focus on that. That I can be good at, yeah. Yes. And I know that that's a role that I can fulfill, that yeah. fulfills me, fulfills her, so. It works out. Yeah. Are, is the significant other community of the bobsled world a a big community? Like, do you hang out with other spouses or boyfriends and girlfriends nope. at races? Nope. nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> it's just you. It's <laughs> just me. And it, uh, so, so the bobsled community is small in general, you know, without a doubt. Yeah. And so I, let, let's say there's, um, oh gosh, I don't know. Let's say there's 30 teams at a track and each team is yeah. a driver. And then there's various people in there. I mean, I don't even know if you'd say that maybe 25% or less are married. Oh, wow. uh, and because like I said, a lot of them are 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Yeah. And Many of them are, are putting off marriage and other things until after their career. And then some of them have boyfriends and girlfriends, though, because of the odd travel schedule, because, you know, nobody's making a million dollars a year. You know, you're lucky if you make $10,000 a year, having your significant, significant other either paying for them to fly over to, 
Austria or Germany and then stay in a hotel where you're going from place to place to place for a week, difficult. There's more, I'd say, like on the German side of things and some of the European, a lot of the European men are, are, are married with kids. I would say on the U.S. and Canadian side, some are married, though the majority of them don't come on tour. And just for all the reasons, there's just the excess money, the difficulty in travel. Um, when you go to these hotels, there's not a lot of rooms. The days are super busy. And so it's, it's not a big community. I mean, I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't even call it a community. We, we exist. We're yeah. there. We're there. We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. so that must make it hard when kind of sharing with your family or friends who yeah. are not familiar with bobsledding, not familiar with kind of the circuit overall. Yeah. Do you find that either you feel a little bit of FOMO in terms of like, oh, all my friends are able to see their significant others constantly, or your parents and siblings are like, yeah. it's weird that Kaylee travels so much. Right. Like that must be hard for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was difficult, definitely in the beginning. Because um, like, yeah, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm two years in, three years into dating Kaylee, and I go home for Christmas, and I'm by myself. I go, yeah, oh, this sucks, right? And where where we've where we've gotten better is because we've been lucky enough, I've been able to travel with her for the last two seasons. Uh, that yeah. really has changed everything. Though I think still to your point, you know, talking with friends and family, most people see the cool Instagram videos. They see, you know, her winning on the podium. And that's what they should see. That That's, that's the highlights. They're, you know, you yeah. typically that's what people like. You know, when you go to a hotel or a restaurant, they don't show you the kitchen first because... Yep. You don't want to see that because it's not attractive. <laughs> it's it's not, it's not yeah. you know, that is where things are made so it can be presented on this beautiful dish. And that's that's kind of how the Bob's, any sport world is. Yeah. And and so it's it has been, I don't say difficult, it's just been different. So you're yeah. right. And there's not a lot of people to, not a lot of people to relate to uh, because yeah. the community's small and in the, the world of sports, there are a lot more spouses who are wives of the of the athlete than there are husbands of the athlete. So it's, it's a you know talking about a community within a community within a community. You're talking about bobsled husbands and or you know Olympic sport husbands. It's it's a pretty small pool, and yeah. and I, I suppose maybe you would do good to connect with some of them. I think it's just every scenario is so different, and you tend to put things off as I have found out, as we have found out, um, you, you tend to put things in a schedule, uh, kind of yeah. like, you know, now Kaylee's pregnant though. That was something we wanted to do years ago though. We kind of yeah. had to wait for the right time in her career. And that changes a lot, you know, compared to if we worked quote unquote, more of a normal job, then we probably yeah. would see more friends on the weekends. It's like, Oh crap, I'm home by myself again and my wife's gone. And so you'd think, oh, well, shouldn't you reach out and, and go see friends? And and you do and you want to, though, you know, the conversations are different. The things we're going through yeah. are, are different. It's hard to relate to. Everybody's empathetic towards it and can and can understand it. I'm just not sure, you know. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to figure out how to afford X, Y, and Z. And Kaylee needs yeah. to buy new runners next year. So we got, you know... It, it's just hard to really relate and connect a lot. Um, yeah. 
And so that's, uh, it's not easy. Um, yeah. So there's, I think, I think you miss out on certain things. Absolutely. I think in terms of talking about, you know, congratulations on thank the you. expected child, yeah, thank but you. that timeline taking a different amount of time. I'm really curious, what is it like for you to think about how you want the next five, 10, 15 years of your life to look like, and then you have to apply it back onto a right. bobsled schedule. <laughs> and then of course, you know, with kids and whatnot, that doesn't happen magically. Right. And so those schedules, as much as you can plan, it just must change what you have expected your life to look yeah. like and continue to change. Yeah, it's so, so I think Kaylee's used to this four-year cycle type of yeah. environment. Now we're married. Okay, you buy a house, you don't have kids. I, and, I, and I think we do the best we can to, to have a plan and a schedule. And then hopefully what actually happens falls somewhere within that line. Because yeah. her and I have talked about this because if we had gotten married the day we met, we would have been able to get her a green card, no problem. Uh, I'm sorry, citizenship, no problem when she needed it prior to the Olympics. Though that's yep. not that's not where we were. We wanted to yeah. take our time. We wanted to do things when we felt I don't want to say for sure about them because you're you're always learning and moving on. There's always a gamble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's always a gamble. And so we did things at the time that we believed they were right and we felt yep. confident in. And so what we've learned is especially over this last year and a half and perfect schedule is she's going to get off tour. We're going through IVF. She's going to be pregnant in March and we'll have, she'll have the baby in December. Well, you yeah. know, month one, two, three, three failed attempts go by. And all of a sudden we're in August going, Oh crap. Because this yeah. was the point where we said, well, we think if IVF doesn't work, you have to go back and compete just because of the way everything works. And so, you know, that's hanging over her head and my head. And, and we made the decision then, and it's really her decision. I'm there again to give my opinion. And if it, if our opinion lines up, that's great. But her thought of it was I've won gold medals. I've made history. I want a family and a baby more than I want more sport. One more. Right. And so luckily she's in that position that, She's had her success that anything she does from here on out is just like added bonus. You know, she still yeah. wants to come back win gold. I'm sure in both events in 2026, yeah. though, realizing that the priorities change and having an idea and a plan and trying to stick to that plan. It's not that the plan doesn't work. It just may not work on the timing we thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think that's where we've learned to be more flexible over the last four years and not beat ourselves up because to say, well, why didn't we look in the IVF route from the day you met? When you start looking at all these coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and it's not that those don't come up because they do. Yeah. And, and in order to do what we've done in our relationship, I've had to change my lifestyle, career. Growing up, we didn't take a lot of vacations. Parents and family worked five, six, seven, eight, eight days a week, seven days a week. <laughs> and, and so you didn't, you didn't just walk away for six months. Yeah. Like that's just not a thing. And when I first thought about it, I'm like, oh no, like I'm going to die and go bankrupt and I'm going to go live on the streets. And, and so in, in doing some of the things that are very uncomfortable, 
it has shown us like, oh no, actually you can do that. And in those times, it's allowed us to rely on people in our lives a little bit more and to, mm-hmm. I guess, trust people a little bit more. And that when they yeah. say, don't worry, we'll, you know, when you come back, we'll continue to work. And they do. How did you kind of come to terms with, I don't want to say your career taking the back seat or the yeah. second priority, but based on Kaylee's position right. in the bobsledding world, right. it was kind of like, how much do I like Kaylee or how much do I like my job is what it kind of seems like. Yeah, it came it, down to. <laughs> it, yeah, it was. And, and I think so. Early on in, in getting to see her in her environment, it's not often, I think, we see somebody who's living in their environment who's doing what they're meant to be doing. And yeah. her passion and her drive and everything about it, what she was going for, it, it kind of came to a point like, I, I want to do what I can to keep you in that environment and to add to it. And yeah. not that I didn't enjoy whatever that I was doing at the time, usually personal training or helping people though it was as a friend of mine said he goes like look she's an olympian you're not maybe just focus on her life because yours will always be here when you come back and he was absolutely correct Mm. in that if i come back five years from now i can still personal train i can still build a business i can do this i can do that whatever it is that i am doing at that time with sports there's there there is a shelf life and so it, it was easy in a way because we had a common goal and I saw that me helping her work towards that goal was more than I could do on my own. Now, yeah. you know, I, it, it, it was really more the financial piece of how do we financially make this work? Because most people in the bobsled world, you don't make any money. You, you spend more money than you make. So, yeah. you know, so for us to even be able to do it, we're, we're far lucky and grateful for that. Um, figuring that out and getting to the point where we had to rely on each other to make this kind of goal and dream work. It worked for me because she would give back to me when she could, and I would give what I could when I could. None of what we did would work if we both weren't on board for it. Yeah. And and so in a way it was easy from the standpoint of like, I don't mind taking a backseat because I can't influence as many people as she can influence and that's yeah. what I see as important right now. Again, the financial piece is the hard part. Yeah. So you've mentioned that a couple of times. Yeah. And I think like, you know, my naivete growing up, you're like, you got a gold medal. You're probably set. You're rich. Yeah. Because like, yeah. how could you not be? You're on the world stage. You've beat the everyone. Like, come a impressive. And, yeah. Yes. So if the cost yeah. of bobsledding just for maintaining yourself and your yeah. equipment is so much higher than whatever kind of stipends you get from um, yep. the sport itself. How do people make it work? Honestly, nobody actually knows. Like it's, it's such a, it's such a strange thing because you just kind of scrape money together. You rely on family yeah. and friends. You work, a lot of people work for six months, take six months off. Um, yep. You do have to go out there and promote yourself. you got to go out there and try to get sponsors. 20, 30 years ago, it was different. Even I would say 15 years ago it was different. Because a lot of the big sports, uh, what did I say, sponsors, um, Olympics was kind of the big deal. You still had your professional sports here and there, and college sports was here and there. You know, now you have college sports, NIL deals, high school, um, you have social media, you have influencers to where you never had a random person down the street that had 500,000 followers because they roll bottles full of soda down the stairs. 
Yeah, now now somebody who would originally have sponsored Kaylee goes after yeah. that person for their followers. So the whole the whole environment has changed some, though it, it doesn't change in the fact that you know a lot of people will work a job, like I said, when they're home. Then they go on yeah. tour. You try to find a job that you can do from afar. And that's primarily what I've done is work when I can work and then try to figure out what can I do when I'm gone. Um, yeah. Try to act as her agent, so to speak. Try to mm -hmm. attempt to get her sponsors and speaking engagements. And so it, the, the role has kind of shifted a little bit, yeah. especially when she made the switch to the U.S. She's basically starting over because, like you said, you think when you win a gold medal, all problems are solved. Then if you're the right person in the right place in the right sport, yeah, you can get tons of money. That's not typically bobsled. And the way that it works is usually you'll make money leading up to the Olympics. Okay. But once you make that, even if you win gold, all the sponsorship falls off because they're focused on the next thing, whether it's the next NBA championship, NFL, whatever it is. So really, even if, you know, a lot of people, they'll make a lot of money coming up, they won't even win a medal, but you know, that's where you made your money. So how do they make it work? They, they promote themselves. You hope that you do well enough that you do get a good stipend that you do get a sponsorship. You win a little bit of prize money um, and you can just make it from year to year. You know, there, there was a study a while back that uh, it was something like between 50 and 80% of Olympic athletes live below the poverty level. Wow. And so it, it's, you know, and all sports are different. You know, if you're running yeah. versus bobsled, bobsled for Kaylee cost her $100,000 at minimum a year to run her Whew. season. And that's just, you know, for uh, coaching, equipment, maintenance, travel, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So that is is one of the challenging parts across Olympic sports in general. And so we're lucky. It's just, just we are. I know a lot of people can't do that, that the spouse of the Olympian yeah. stays home and works a full-time job, takes care of the kids in order to make that dream work. And so we've, we've tried to blend it a little bit to where I can come on yeah. tour. We can make some money and be together. Right. And so then you go, okay, let's yeah. get on social media. And, and it's just, it's complicated. There's just there's totally. no two ways about it. And if I get too wrapped up into her career, which I can do, yeah, yeah. then you, you do start to lose a little bit of focus on, of yourself. Um, yeah. and it's not, it's not bad to give yourself up and, and to, to do something for a different cause, though that's something we've learned. If I get too involved, yeah. I'm too involved. And yeah. then I'm missing out on all the other things that could actually, uh, if I could do A, B, C, and D, then maybe that would fund our entire year. So yeah. it's kind of walking a tightrope, you know, of you want to be involved, but not too involved. And if I go and I get a job somewhere and I'm salaried somewhere, yeah. well, then I can't just up and take off a month because right now I can, yeah. I'm self-employed, I work for myself, et cetera, et cetera. I can take, I can go, I'm off, you know, yeah. for two months, three months, we'll see you later. Vacation, Vacation approved. approved. <laughs> Who's paying for it? Ah, uh, now we got to work on. So yeah, it's, I, I think it's been a unique experience, you know, even from being on the husband side of things in that, when I get to go on tour, I'm primarily working. I'm there for Kaylee 100%. And yeah. then if I have, if I can also help out other people, usually it's the other women on the team. And because the yeah. men typically take care of themselves, they have more people. Yeah. It, it, it's an interesting dynamics of, of how the whole yeah. thing, whole thing works. And 
you know, being gone for three or four months and then coming back and trying to restart everything again. That's really difficult yeah. from a business perspective. It's easy to say it's worth it, I think, for us because she won gold again in 2022. Yeah. You know, when she came over to the U.S., she's won three world championships and a gold medal in a three-year span, which I'm not sure it's ever happened. She became the first woman to ever win a gold medal for two separate countries. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I would love to say we would feel the exact same way if that hadn't happened. Yeah. Like so I can't say that. And so, so I know there's a lot of people who are spouses of, of not even Olympians, just Olympic sport athletes yeah. who don't make it to that point. And it never really does pay off. And so I know we're really fortunate and, and I just can't say if that hadn't happened, it would, it, we could for sure say it would have been worth it though. I, I believe from a relationship standpoint and, an opportunity for us to work together, rely on each other. I wouldn't trade that part of it for anything. You know, that's been worth yeah. all the time spent, the money lost, the money gained, all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, I look back and think, why, why did our relationship work? And why did the long distance stuff work? And it really was because I know I'm not going to get, so to speak, the exact same thing that I'm getting. Yeah. Though I understand that she's giving 100% when she can. We're both buying into the same goal and in yeah. order for it to work, I have to do my job. She has to do hers and we have an expectation that other person will do their job. So there's trust and it's led us to a point that we wouldn't have gotten to in, in any other capacity. I don't think I, you know, there's other ways you could do it, you know, whether it's you start a business yeah. together, whatever the scenario is, though it's allowed us to, from a relationship standpoint, get farther than we ever would have, even without winning, you know, medals or yeah actually having success yeah that's i like that i like that um i like that the challenges are really kind of what has ripped open the relationship yeah. a little bit of like this is gonna make make sure that this relationship right. works because you have to strip it down so much and be very direct and figure it out you got to be very direct it's not always pretty and there's been there, there has been times that haven't been good for sure. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times it hasn't been good. And, and, and I understand how people get in this situation and they do feel resentment because they feel like I've given up everything and you get all the attention. And so that's what's funny about like what I think is cool about your podcast is you're talking to the people who are there behind the scenes that we don't want the like, I can't speak for everybody. I'm not big yeah. <laughs> on needing the limelight or, 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 you know, I don't feel a resentment to say I didn't get mine though. I understand how you would get there. And, but I think it's what's fun for me is to talk about the journey and the story. I do some work for a luxury health and wellness resort. And so a lot of times we'll take people on hikes, like two hour hikes. Yeah. What are you going to talk about? And so what's been really fun for me is I get to tell her story, yeah. our story to them. And I think that's what makes it more fun because from my standpoint or from a spouse standpoint, what's the payoff really, you know, if there's a financial payoff and she's making millions of dollars, Hey, oh, you know, there you go. <laughs> I'm a house husband. I'll take the dog on the walk, get my Starbucks, you know, it's cool. Go work out. <laughs> if there's not that, okay, then nobody's congratulating me. So why, why, you know, why are you doing this? And, and I think what has helped us is there, there is that commonality, common goal. Um, cause there's not a, 
there's not a direct payoff per se. Yeah. What is a direct payoff is seeing her happy and being able to do what she loves to do. So I think it's some of it is not, not expecting it to be something it's not, you know, it's, it's, yeah. you're, you're not going to be the center of attention. And so if that's not okay with you, then it's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be tough. You've mentioned Kaylee switching from Canada to mm-hmm. the U.S. And if people look it up, they can totally see what happened. But what I think is really interesting about that is, you know, that seems from all perspectives like a very challenging time for Kaylee yeah. paired with a very positive time for your relationship. And so, <laughs> yeah, <okay. laughs> right. She's like, yeah, it's, it's an interesting outlook. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, she's becoming a U.S. citizen. She's trying to switch and race for the U S which brings a lot of that training, at least locally, nationally. How, how did that kind of play out for you of trying to support Kaylee and probably what I would imagine is a very low, low while also yeah. having a bunch of highs going on at the same time? Yeah, it was, I, I think that's when I learned how, I don't know what saying is, you don't know how, don't know how tall, how, how, how well you can swim until your head's underwater type of a thing. And, yep. and that's what I learned how truly tough Kaylee was. Because if it was me in her position, I'd have given up like 170 different times. I just, yeah. I, I'd have been like, you know what? I'm out. Screw this. I'll go live a normal life. So, yes, it was It was right after the 18 Olympics, which I did get to go to. I got to see her win a medal. Sure, it wasn't gold. She oh. she got bronze. She came from fifth to third. It's all cool. Um, yeah. What led up to that year was really not good. Um, and this is part of that being that supportive person of, we knew what was happening and the way she was being treated wasn't good. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? You know, then it came to that. Well, she knew what she should do, which is report, you know, tell everybody what's going on. And she she, she goes, you know, I'm not going to stand up for this. I'm not going to be treated this way. And I I remember that a lot of the conversations revolved around us being, or her being very cognizant of this very well could end my career if I do this. Interesting. Though we talked a lot about like at the end of the day, she's a type of person that she needs to look herself in the mirror and know I did what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. And I stood up for myself and everybody else that needed it. And yep. so she decided to come forward, make the claim that that uh, ensued an investigation and her getting kicked off the team and dropped funding and just downhill big time and that was a very sad time when she has bad times and good times you're 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 always removed from them to a certain extent so you can't you don't really know what the good times feel like and you don't really know what the bad times although you can you you have an idea and so you're you're trying to figure out well what do we do and how do we do it how do i support you and and to her credit you know she marched through the entire time never gave up you know which was just wild to watch you know literally sit next to her and watch that happen and there was things going on within the organization where she was not being treated well so i was used to that and this just took it to a whole new level though like you said this presented an opportunity for us to really kind of work together because me coming into her she had she had everything set she was a two-time gold medalist in canada she had this she had that she had everything yeah So that went on. Um, Eventually, we learned that the organization was not going to support her. They were going to support the the people that that she had issues with. 
And at that point, we knew they were going to try to end her career. And that's what they tried to do. And she said, I'm not going to stand up for it. I'm going to come to Team USA. And because she had moved down, she was mm -hmm. a resident at that point because she had a visa, yeah. which allowed her to try out for Team USA. Team USA, of oh. course, was super happy about it. Ecstatic. Right. Like, like, hey, best case scenario. <laughs> you, you need another person? And they said, absolutely. And it was nice that they... They willingly took her on. They they took, you know, everything that she came with, what was going on in Canada. And they said, we're here to support you. We believe you, yeah. you know. And, and so that was really good. Uh, though it forced her to restart, which, mm -hmm. eh, you know, that kind of sucks. No sponsors, yeah. no this, no that. Though it, it allowed us to kind of build something together. Because again, in order yeah. for her to come here, the time that she, so we got married in 2019 so like 18 19 so she sat out for a year while all the court stuff and baloney was going on we mm -hmm. pretty much figured out two days before our wedding what they were going to do they weren't going to release mm -hmm. her they they all this sort of stuff we got married well i should say that about four days before we yeah. knew what was going to happen she made contact with the U team usa about two days before they said yes come come with us there was a whole bunch that, you know, Canada had to be forced to release her, all this other stuff. But that all happened somehow. And then two days after our wedding, which we were planning on going on honeymoon, she had to then fly up and go for team tryouts. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we got married. So then she get a green card because then it was, well, she was told by a lot of people, don't make this move because you will not get citizenship by the time the Olympics come up. Yeah. Even if that didn't happen, she was not going to stand by and allow somebody to ruin her career. Yeah. So she said, I I'm going to continue my career, even if I don't get to the next Olympics. And so from, you know, kind of going back to that relationship standpoint, it, it allowed me to, I guess, feel or be more involved in her actual career and kind of build something together, as opposed to yeah. me always being kind of on the sidelines and I'm here for support, but I, I can't really offer a whole lot. You know, yeah. this really turned it on its head of, okay, now you're in the U.S. system, you're living down here, now we have to get a green card. And these are things we were going to do anyways, and it's yeah. why we never got in a hurry to do them, because there was there was no plan for her to switch. switch. Yeah. Right? So she came over, you know, she, like you said, there was highs and lows, and there was, there was always, during this entire time, there was lawsuits going on, there was investigations going on, all this, you know, she was being bad mouth in the media. And then four years later, yeah. the media turns around like, Oh, she was right. Love you. Yeah. So then when she went on tour, she had to deal with all this stuff. And I mean, she just, she just did amazing. She went out, you know, yeah. came over to a new team, won her first three, you know, there was three world championships with team USA available to her and she won all three of them. Yep. And wow. I have no idea how, like, she's just, so strong-willed and minded and has such a strong constitution. Now, from my standpoint and to brag on myself, I believe that we did a good job of like, look, you gotta go, you gotta go give it a shot. It was kind of going back to like same thing with, with like my career, like I don't mind giving it up because I can always come back. We have to give this a yeah. shot. And so yeah. when it was, you know, trying to because again, her her funding got cut, her insurance got cut, she she lost everything. So that that big like how are we going to do this? How could we not do it? How, how, how can we stand by and, and let somebody else take control? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just, there, there, there was a lot of really crappy days yeah. of 
why, why do this? You know, there's, there's no yeah. giant payday. Um, there's, you're not going to, you're not going to get paid $5 million at the end of this. Yeah. And so I, there, there were days where we talked about like, look, if, if you want to just pack it up and be done, like I get it. I, I, I yeah. no, nobody's going to blame you. And, and I think, or I hope in her knowing that whether you do it or you don't do it, it doesn't change who you are. If you go out and you win, I still love you. You're still my wife. You know, I, I'm going to be married to you regardless of what happens. Yeah. And in getting too sucked into that, sometimes it, it can happen to where all we talk about is bobsled, 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 bobsled. Yeah. And you go, holy <laughs> crap. All right. For the next day, no bobsled. No bobsled. No bobsled. <laughs> because it, it is a, it's not everything. It was another one of those times that and through the COVID years as well, we ran into this several times. It was, is there going to be a season? Is there not? Or is it going to get canceled? Is it not? The one thing we did know was if we didn't give it everything we had right now, we would regret it forever. Yeah. And if that meant losing everything and going bankrupt and having to move in with like my parents or her parents or, you know, live, you know, doing, doing what would seem like extremes, it was worth it because we just neither one of us are we don't want to live with regret we don't want to live stupidly and and yeah. throw every single caution to the wind though i could never i would always look back and go well why did i tell her to quit you know or or why did why did we quit when and you know when like in the covid year it was like well you know do i train hard do i not and it, we relied on the same thing if you get there and there is world championships you are going to be so pissed that you didn't work out. And, yeah. and so that's, you know, even within how she got citizenship, it's, <laughs> it's like the world testing you like, is this what you want? Is this you really sure? what you want? Because we're going to make you jump through these seven hoops, Yep. then go over waterfall, and then we'll get you. Because she got turned down for citizenship in, well, she didn't get turned down, but basically it was, mm. we can't give you this today. And she had to fly yep. to China the next day for their pre-Olympic trials. And so she had to wow. go over there being just told there's virtually no way you're going to get it in time. And yep. so I spent a whole month of October figuring all this stuff out. Okay. What, what are we missing? What do we need to put this uh, application in? And we're yep. over in Austria. She gets a phone call. You can come in next Wednesday to take your citizenship test. <laughs> oh my gosh. Holy moly. Like, we were told that we could request a time to do it based on yeah. travel. And we had requested, we were going to be home for about a, like a week or two. I can't remember how long it was. We said, if we yeah. could have it then, that'd work out perfect. So, nope. okay, how does this work? Because we're in Austria. She has to compete next week and compete during this week in order to qualify for the Olympics. So we said, well, can we push it back? And they said, you can, but we cannot guarantee you'll get a time. Oh my gosh. Right. So we, well, you have to do it. So we're in Austria. So competition in Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon, we have to drive from there to Altenburg, Germany, which is, uh, call it a six hour drive. I don't really remember. Yeah. We go out to get in the sled truck, got a flat tire. Oh my gosh. Right. And then of course the, the lug nut wrench isn't the right size to change it. So then we have to wait several more hours to get a tow truck on Sunday in Eagles, Austria, which nobody's open on Sundays. Of course. Yeah. So finally we get that on, get the tire on, we're driving, that tire's flat too. Oh my gosh. So we get halfway to Nuremberg, Germany, have to stop, stay the night, fill it up the next day, 
drive the next three hours to Germany and fill it up with air every so often and just pray it doesn't blow up. Oh my gosh. And so, so this is where all this relationship stuff comes up. And, and it's that if I give up, she may give up. And if she gives up, I may yeah. give up. And so it's that constant like, okay, as long as you're good, I'm good. Or when you're not good, I'm good. And so what, what we really learned through this was if you're having a bad time, that's when I have to really buckle down and like be supportive because otherwise we are, yeah. we are going downhill. So, so finally we get there. I drive her to the airport, uh, I think to Munich. She flies Tuesday afternoon back to San Diego. Luckily her mom, I think, and her dad were, were staying at our place. So they were able to pick her up okay. because at the time she ended up here Wednesday. She woke up Thursday yeah. morning, went into the citizenship stuff. So in the meantime, yeah. my job was to stay in Altenburg get all of her stuff ready. Cause typically it takes eight to 10 hours of work to get things ready for the race. Now, Kaylee is a person who she's very particular when it comes to race. Yeah. I don't want to go back and think, well, we didn't do this quite right. I want to make sure everything's ticked. So that way, when we go to the line, all I have to do is drive, push and drive. We've done our job, make yeah. a complicated thing as simple as possible. So I'm there by myself with the help of her teammates to get her stuff ready. And she has very high standards and, and okay. she's been doing this for 20 years. And so it's me and, and I, I believe there was three of us. There was two or three other girls were sanding these runners, which is typically like this laborious, awful process. And you can't have any little Nick in there. And she knows just yeah. what to do. She knows how to get the little yeah. scuffs that we're doing them. And so then we get to a, a certain grit as you go higher, then there'll be a mark there and we're going, Oh my gosh, like we're just doing over and over. This whole time going, I hope she makes her flights. You know, I, I hope this happens. Are we doing this right? So we, that's what we did. So that way, so she, she comes back. She goes in for citizenship. I'm sitting there in Altenburg just, just like waiting, just waiting to get a text. You know, like three or four hours go by. And finally, I get a text that says, um, I got it. Like, they're going to give me citizenship. Like, oh, two minutes later, they don't have anybody that can sign the certificate. Oh, uh, you know. <laughs> So oh it's just it's just thing after thing. And so she has to be to the airport by one o'clock to get on a flight to go uh, San Diego, Houston, Houston, Munich, Munich. Uh, I can't remember this little town in Germany. Holy cow. And so like at 12, they go, OK, here it is. She, she hops in the, the car. They drive her over there. She flies over. I go pick her up. She gets in about Friday at four. I pick her up, drive her home. Her stuff's all ready. She wakes up that next day to race race because she has to get those races in. And so she she had she had spent six nights in six different places, one of them on overnight in the airplane. Yep. Comes back, wins Saturday, and then wins Sunday. Unbelievable. I, I, I mean, that's you're right. It's just... How? I, bingo. I, I talked to the coach prior to that, and we had the same thing. You know what? If she can come top 10 and be healthy, perfect. We're happy right. with that. Day yep. one goes by, and you're going... Okay, that was, that was cool. You know, and then day two goes by, yeah. she wins again. She's just the strongest person I've ever come across. And yeah. that in order to all that, for, for that to happen, she had to, she was forced to relinquish the control, control of that to then do it. And yeah. so I believe that was a big step in our relationship of 90% of the stuff she did were situations She's never been through, I've never been through, and I'm not even sure if a human being has been through. 
you know, I know yeah. nobody's ever going to repeat that little cycle of flying <laughs> across the world, you know, and, and again, it relied on uh, us coming together for a common goal and being okay that, you know, maybe she gets more, I get more, you know, the, yeah. the intricacies of, of being behind the scenes, because you, you, you're right in, in order to get citizenship, um, I played a, a big role in that. And then in order for her to win that race, well, I played a big role in that. And so, did her you know, her teammates yeah. and her team did, though she gets credit, but she deserves a credit. And so I, I think it's it's some of that, like, knowing what you're getting yourself into. And if you don't know what you're getting yourself into, then learning. Pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly. And then deciding, can I do this? Can I live with this? And for us, it's been, you know, it's been good, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. And like, wild. (laughs) Like, in in hindsight, what a great story. At the time, what an absolute nightmare. Absolute nightmare. I mean, every every turn. And then that year, later that year, she gets COVID right before she goes to the games. Oh, wow. And right. So, so we're, we're, she tests positive the day we get back from her tour. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you're going. Like, I, I will say that's when I broke. Like, that's when I'm out. Yeah. Got nothing left. I don't know what to do. Uh, and that's where we, you know, really leaned on, uh, like, her her publicist. Her name is uh, Ilana. Yeah. And she was great because I, I was just tapped out. Like, I had given everything that I thought I could give. She wasn't feeling good. She wasn't herself. You know, she had, she had a calf injury. But it was that same thing. If you give up now and you don't, you know, force yourself to work out, then what? Then you're sitting there going, shit, I should have tried. I should have done this. And so that that was a reoccurring thing. And, and I think it's helped me in my own personal life outside of her. So although as much as, you know, as a spouse of an Olympic athlete, as much as I give, I'm learning lessons along the way, which makes me better in, in my own other areas of my life that maybe I'm not as confident in to, to totally. pull from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Damn. So That's I, remarkable. Yeah. It's wild. It's really wild. Damn. I'm going to close it out with two quicker questions. One is the little baby going to be a bobsledder? Is that <laughs> like, how do, how do you guys think yeah. about that? Because that's a good, it's a good question. <laughs> and, and, and people have asked Kaylee that before. And her response is if they want to be absolutely. Yeah. Though, She's very aware of what she's accomplished in her career is is very, very wild. And so she yeah. she wouldn't want our child to be put in that situation and say, you got to do better than your mom or you suck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if they want to be great, if they're really sport endeavored, I would say let's try to do something that has a payday at the end. You know, who knows? <laughs> Something that Something has a little bit of a broader, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's got an audience. So, um, yep. If oh, the baby funny. wants to be, you bet. Uh, and, and we and we don't know a boy or girl. We're not going to know until uh, due date. So, yep. You know, a fun surprise. A fun surprise. So may, maybe that changes what sport they may do. You know. Totally, and I. I mean, I think the the self awareness to know like. Having Kaylee as a mom already is going to be like a pretty, like it's, it's a spectacular thing. But then as that child comes into their own, it's a formidable it's a, thing, you know? But yes, uh, from a, from a 
even from me being her husband's standpoint, there, there are times where it is intimidating. And I, so I can only imagine as, as a kid growing up going, Oh boy. Yeah. I love that. All right. And then my last question for you, where outside of the Olympics, can we be watching bobsled races? Aha. Uh-huh. So there are races, which is your North America circuit happening in park city right now. Those won't be broadcasted as much though. The world cup will. So every year they have, a normal season and a world championships, just like track and field, just like every other sport. And then every four years they have the Olympics. So this year, Kaylee's not competing for baby reasons, though the season's still going on on YouTube, the IBSF, which is your international bobsleigh skeleton federation has a YouTube channel that they will typically try to play the races live. And if they don't, you can typically go back and watch them. And, you know, they have their Instagram and Facebook channel. That's probably the best places to go and look. But it's an interesting sport once you get uh, exposed to it. You just have to learn about it. You just got to learn about it a little bit. It's not complicated. It's gravity. (laughs) Though there are some complications in it that not just everybody can do. Though if you go and you watch a race, you go, that makes sense. I can give you my opinion. So it's an interesting, yeah. an interesting one. It makes it a little more enjoyable to watch yeah. once you, I mean, it's, yes. it's like baseball. Yes. There's a lot of nuance. It's not just throwing the ball. That's all. I don't know the rules. Yeah, that's all I know. I know they throw exactly. it, they it like, you know, I'm sure, right. Like you said, they've got the calls and the signals into this and you're going, he hit it and he didn't. So yeah, that's as far as I get. So exactly. Yeah. Ah, incredible. Well, any shout outs for anything you're working on in the San Diego area? Um, well, I, I mean, how shamelessly can I plug Kaylee more? I, I don't, as, you know. As shamelessly you know, as so, you want. So a big part, like you said, of how do you financially afford all to, to do this? Well, so what Kaylee does is she she's a really good keynote speaker. So she does mm-hmm. keynote spe- speeches in the San Diego area. She does travel and fly around them. She did one for, like, for example, like for Monster Energy, she did one for them. And she yeah. does more smaller and local. So that's that's something we're trying to work on where she does have time off, which typically you don't, you know, you're training year round. Uh, so she's going and doing more of those, more speeches, yeah. more appearances, more talks. Uh, so, you know, if anybody in the area. What what does she usually speak on? So it's typically her speech is based around human performance and then overcoming adversity and being successful in the face of adversity. And I I think part of her story and what she really wants to share is, unfortunately, a lot of the times when you see hardships, you don't see a lot of stories where they come out on the other end and are successful. And so she, she really wants to talk about what she really, what she does talk about is then how do you deal with that from a step-by-step yeah. standpoint? Um, you know, it's, it's, oh my gosh, look what you did. W- what's happening in your head? Because yeah. whatever's happening in your head isn't happening in mine because I'm going bananas. And yeah. so she talks a lot about and gives tools and, and tips, stuff like this is how you can deal with high-pressure situations and teammates and colleagues. Very cool. Yeah, very cool. That's that's the um, her main topics right now. Yeah, I love that. That is, for everyone out there listening, that is great for a corporate setting, a yes. school setting, a team setting. That's that's Bingo. awesome. All right, Bingo. good plug. Thanks. Good plug. Thanks. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Travis. I am going to close this okay. out Okay, awesome. Thank you. <laughs>